0: Well, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm, it's uh, it's go time. We got seven days till Christmas Eve, so it's uh, uh, ready or not, it's here. Uh, So hopefully you got everything, got all your matters in line, um, you know, before the big day. And uh, um, so I just want to encourage you guys and remind you guys, don't forget, we do have two regular uh, services next Sunday morning, and then we have our very special Christmas Eve services at 4.30 and 6. I know everybody's got stuff going on and uh, places to go, people to see. uh, So we will get you in and out in like 55 minutes. So that's what we're shooting for. Uh, So I'm going to talk really, really fast the whole time. But uh, um, so we can't wait to see you guys. Don't forget to bring your kids, Um, but uh, we want to see them as well. So we are in Christmas, and I've shared with you guys before, I love Christmas. Uh, I love everything about it, but the thing that I love the most is the traditions, I love the traditions that we have as a family. Um, you know, we really encourage our kids to, to start traditions when they get older and they get married and have kids. And, and uh, some of our traditions, uh, some people might think a little weird, which they are, but uh, uh, they're traditions for us. And um, one of our traditions that my wife and I do is uh, we always go out at least one time during the Christmas season to do some in-person Christmas shopping. If you guys don't know what that is... It's when you go into a store. I'm just kidding. But uh, so we are, we are, I will order online and just pray that it's here on Christmas. That's what we do. Uh, but every, every year since we've married and have kids, uh, we make a point to make it a date. We go out, go Christmas shopping, uh, support uh, small businesses, and we go out to eat. So we actually got to do that this past week, which was enjoyable, and uh, I enjoyed it. But uh, uh, So there's one time we went out, and I still remember this story, and uh, I think we only had Parker, I think he was a baby, uh, and uh, we were at a store, and uh, that's back when the stores were packed. I mean, packed. You couldn't even get in, in the store, and, and uh, the one we went into, they, had, they were at max capacity, and they had somebody at the door with the clicker and counting when people come in. I mean, it was, do you guys remember when it used to be like that? And, and so we were at this store and I was doing what I always do when I'm in a store I don't wanna be in. I was leaning up against the wall, um, just watching people. I'm a people watcher. Um, not to judge, but to monitor and observe. Uh, but I just love watching people. And, and so I'm standing there and Marsha was looking at stuff and I see the most random thing. So in this, the middle of this massive department store, there's a line of 20 to 25 people lined right down the middle of the store. And I was like, this is a weird place for a line. And I was like, man, is this the line for the cashiers? And the cashiers are all the way up front. And so I'm standing there and um, all of a sudden this, this, uh, this little girl, maybe 18 years old, uh, 19 years old, just a little tiny thing walks in and you could tell by the look on her face, she was terrified. Terrified, And she walks up and she's like, excuse me, excuse me. And I was like, girl, you got it. You're going to have to yell. And she got this deep voice from somewhere. I mean, it drew everybody's attention. She's like, I'm sorry to tell you the line that you are in is not the line to the cashier. We had two teenage boys thought it would be fun to start a line in the middle of the store. So this line goes absolutely nowhere. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, because the people in the line didn't know how to act. They wanted to be mad at this little girl, but they know they couldn't. And they were also, you know, they, they were mad because they waited in line, they had to go get in another line. Um, and so uh, I love it. I love just going and watching people, and uh, that, was, that was a fun moment. And so another tradition that we do, and I think a lot of you guys do, is we love to watch Christmas movies. Not just the hard mark ones, but the real ones. Like I love Miracle on 34th Street. It's one of my favorite movies. I love it. I love uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life that has a great meaning behind it. And uh, the one I really like and I get made fun of a lot is I love the Christmas story. A Christmas story. And it's on 24 hours a day on Christmas morning. I believe you should watch it 24 hours a day. And so my family makes fun of me, but I still watch it anyway. I don't let them stop me. And then uh, it, for, for all of the people my age, maybe a little bit older, uh, Elf is a good one. Do you know that Elf is 23 years old this Christmas? It's awful. Makes me feel disgusted. And, and uh, I won't say which one of my kids, the girl, she said, uh, I, I, told her, I told her we watched it in theaters. And she's like, was it in black and white? I'm like, you're awful. So... That really happened. But so we, we have traditions and, and uh, we watch movies. Well, my favorite movie, I don't know if you guys can guess, it's this.
1: You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a. Greasy black peel You're a monster Mr. Grinch Your heart's an empty hole Your brain is full of spiders You've got garlic in your soul Mr. Grinch I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole.
0: So that is my favorite one. Not the Jim Carrey one, the original one, the 30 minute one. I love it. There's nothing like it, you know? And the reason why I like it so much, I think it's because of the meaning behind it. I think there's a great meaning to how the Grinch stole Christmas, believe it or not. And the reason why is because of this quote. And it says, the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think the most likely reason of all may be that his heart was two sizes too small. He had a heart condition. His, (laughs) he did, but his heart was too small. And so because his heart was too small, he couldn't find joy. He couldn't find joy in himself. He, he couldn't find joy in watching other people be happy. He just could not find joy. And so today we're going to talk about our hearts. We're going to talk about, are our hearts too small? And today we're going to answer a lot of these questions. Is your heart full? Is your heart empty? Is your heart at peace? Is your heart overjoyed? I hope that's the one. Um, is your heart heavy? Full transparency. Mine's very heavy. And it's because of you guys and don't take it the wrong way. As your pastor, I know a lot of stuff you guys are going through. My heart cries out for you. So my heart's heavy. The staff's heart's heavy for you guys, but that's what we're here for. We're here to carry your burden. So maybe your heart's overjoyed, but this is one too. It's, probably pretty likely around this time of year is your heart broken. So I'm going to kind of give you a roadmap of where we're going. So the first one is we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about King Herod. King Herod was the original Grinch before Christmas. As the kids say, he was the OG. Okay, he was, he was the original how the Grinch stole Christmas. And if you look at it, as weird as it sounds, Herod tried to steal Christmas. He tried to stop Christmas from coming, just like the Grinch did. So number one is we're going to talk about King Herod. We're going to talk a lot about King Herod. We're going to talk about why he tried to stop Christmas. We're going to talk about why he did what he did, why he acted the way he acted. And then we're going to talk through the sorrow that he caused. But I promise you, there's an upswing at the end. And we're going to talk about how we can find joy in our sorrow this Christmas season. So let's recap a little bit in Matthew 2. Matthew 2 is the story of the wise men. And the wise men, they came from the east. They were following a star. And they brought their treasures and they reached baby Jesus. And like we said, you know, uh, it was pro- he was probably about a year old, if not a year and a half by that time they got there. And you know, not everyone expressed their joy at the first Christmas. when I say everyone, I mean King Herod. King Herod was a very, very nasty individual. Right off the bat, it tells us in scripture, King Herod hated Christmas before it was Christmas. King Herod, he hated what Christmas stood for. He hated what Christmas was built around, and that was Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about why he hated Christmas so much. But he hated Christmas. He hated it. Now, we all know somebody that they struggle with Christmas. We know some people that it just stirs up a lot of emotions around Christmas time. But King Herod straight hated it. And here's why. Number one is King Herod was a troubled king. He was a troubled king. He, he, his heart was troubled. And because his heart was troubled, his heart became rock solid. He, he let his heart form and, and convert into a hardened heart because he was troubled. King Herod ruled over Palestine for 40 years. 40 years he was the ruler. And it says in scripture, for the most part, it was peaceful. And a lot of you are like, well, if it was peaceful, you know, he can't be that bad. Well, no, 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 no. He ruled with fear he ruled with fear. And so he was a troubled king and he let the trouble impact the way that he, that he ran as a leader. He was troubled. Number two is we need to understand that, you know, believe it or not, King Herod was not all bad. King Herod was not always a bad king. He did some great stuff. He rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. And then he was very wealthy, and at times, he could be very generous. He also, at one point, he melted down his own gold and gave it to starving people during a time of famine. Twice in Scripture, it tells us that he gave the Jewish people significant tax cuts. Herod was not all bad, but he let something dictate the way that he led. He let someone, Jesus Christ, as a baby, he let the feelings he had towards him determine what type of person he was gonna be. King Herod was such a demanding person, he made people call, uh, refer to him as King Herod the Great. Now we can't go around and be doing that, right? Hey, my name's Jed, just call me Jed the Great. Um, it sounds like I'm an out-of-work magician, you know, um, but, but no, we can't just go around and be like, hey, call me King Herod the Great, but that's what he demanded, but do you know what they called him before he d- told them, call me King Herod the Great? He was called the governor, but the governor was not strong enough, King Herod was so troubled. Every week I ask you guys questions to look back on uh, throughout the course of your week. What are you troubled about? What are you troubled about this week? Something in your life just kind of gnawing at you? What are you troubled about? And is it impacting the way that you lead? Maybe the way you lead your family, lead your kids, lead at your job. Are you troubled by something and it's impacting you and the way you lead? Because that's what happened to King Herod. He was so impacted by the, the, the uh, forthcoming of, of Jesus Christ, it impacted the size of his heart. So he led differently. So King Herod also was the way he was because he was so suspicious. He felt everybody was out to get them, get, out to get him. And if you like that, I, I, I struggle with that. I, I, I really do. I, I, I wasn't insanely suspicious like Herod is, but I think we've all kind of, oh, they're just out to get me, or, um, you know, they they just want to trip me up, or they just, well, Herod was that to the extreme. He was so suspicious that he killed his wife, he killed his in laws, he killed his sons, he killed so many people in his life because he felt that they were trying to overthrow him. So Herod was so suspicious. It changed the way that he treated people. It's because his heart was way too small. Because when your heart is the size that it's supposed to be, and and, and when Jesus Christ is in your heart, there's no room for for, uh, suspicion. There's no room for any of that because it's filled with joy. But a lot of times we get so suspicious and we go to worst case scenario and we think the worst about people. And that's what King Herod did. And it impacted the way that he treated people. We cannot do that. So when I tell you that he killed so many people in his life, he even killed the Jewish Sanhedrin, which was 70 of the strongest, most influential religious leaders in the Bible. He had them all killed, but two, and it says because of personal reasons. Augustus Caesar said it was better to be Herod's livestock than it was his own son. It said Herod treated his livestock and and his property better than he treated his whole family. Why? Because his heart was way too small. He was always so suspicious. And then we're getting on the upswing. Trust me, we're getting there. And then three wise men showed up. And the wise men did something that I think a lot of us can relate to. The wise men disturbed Herod. You guys have somebody that just pushes your buttons all the time. How many of you guys are married to them? I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't. But no, we, we, we think when people push our buttons, we're like, oh, we're so disturbed. No, no, no. The wise men, they de- disturbed King Herod. They disturbed him because they already knew that he was a disturbed man. And they knew that he was already a evil man and they disturbed him. I want you to listen to this. The truth about it is the truth of Jesus Christ is still disturbing people today. The truth about Jesus Christ is still disturbing people because of the way they act. It's called conviction. The truth of of Jesus Christ is still messing with people and, and, and changing the way that they live. If you don't believe me, here's three areas. The self indulgent the people that they're only about their physical appetites, the things in their life they, 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 that they want to experience, they want to do everything because of their own pleasure. Jesus tells us in the scripture, deny yourself and take out my cross. And who's he tell to follow? Follow me. Do not follow yourself. Don't follow the crowd, he says, follow me. So the people that, are, that, that try to build their kingdom on their own pleasure, They're disturbed. It's because Jesus is disturbing them, trying to get their attention. Second one is the greedy. The greedy, it says, don't lay up treasures on earth. This threatens those who try to find security in their own physical belongings. We're greedy. We have been greedy since day one. I want you guys to look back on the first story in the Bible about Adam and Eve. The first time there was breath in any lungs was Adam and Eve. And greed started there. If you don't believe me, if you look at it, God planted the tree of knowledge in the middle of the garden. In the middle of the garden. That means Adam and Eve had to walk through abundance to get to the one thing that they couldn't have. If that's not greed, I don't know what it is. Adam and Eve walked through everything that God provided to get to the one thing that God was trying to prevent. Is that you? Is God trying to be abundant in your life? and He's putting all these things around you and you're only focused on the one thing that you can't have. That's greed. And so when you experience greed, it disturbs us. There's something deep down inside of us that that it provokes us, it pushes us because we are walking through the abundance to get to the one thing that we are not supposed to have. And the second one is the prideful. Jesus says, unless you humble yourself and become like little children, you can't enter the kingdom of God. So I want you to understand this. I want Jesus to move you. I want Jesus to shake you. I want Jesus to disrupt you. I want Jesus to to, to shake you so much that, that the plans that you have, I want him to disrupt them if they're not his plans. You understand what I'm saying? That's what I want in my life. I want Jesus, disrupt me. If I'm not doing what I'm not supposed to be doing, shake me up, move me, disrupt me. And so that's what the wise men were. The wise men disrupted King Herod and he had a choice. He had a choice, and I told you this a couple weeks ago. King Herod had the same opportunity to find Jesus Christ in that manger as the wise men did. But he chose not to. God was disrupting Herod. He just chose to ignore it. Why is King Herod the way he is? Third one is because he's a deceitful king. Matthew 24, 4 through 5, it says this. It says, watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name, claiming I am Christ and will deceive many. I want you to understand something because I want you to be aware. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to push you in one direction. I am simply making you aware. That same type of deception is alive and well in our day and age. People are trying to trip you up simply because you're a Christ follower. People are trying to push you back simply because you're a Christ follower. Jesus warned us about these enemies in the Bible many a times. And he tells us that the church will be threatened by people that pretend to be sheep and pretend to be the flock. But really they're what? They're wolves. They're wolves. So like Herod, he tried to trick He tried to trick the wise men. Here's being deceitful. This is when Herod gets pushed over the edge. This is when Herod went from a disturbed man to a disturbed man that's gonna disturb people. It's because he, the deceiver, has now been deceived. He lied to the wise men thinking that he's on their side and he wants to see Jesus. Well, now the wise men took another way home because they knew that this is what Herod was doing. And in Matthew 2, 12 through 15, let's read it. And the wise men, in having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 14 says, so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod and was so fulfilled with the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. John 10 tells us my sheep recognize my voice. And it says, and it recognizes a fake over my voice. Scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, people are gonna try to trick you. But the voice of God is, something that sticks out above anything. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know the shepherd's voice. So I'm gonna take you back to the opening story and um, you know when uh, those boys misled many of people, as funny as it was, there was some really hard meaning behind it. And while I'm sitting there watching these boys just laugh as other people go and go back to the original line, you know, and uh, they started talking and, and someone's like, why would you do that? And the boys, if teenage boys know this, then we should know this. The boys said, you know how easy it is to deceive people. All the boys did was start a line that nobody was supposed to be in. They started a line that nobody knew where it went. But because there were so many people on that line, so many people believed that that was the correct line. That is not it. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You cannot follow the crowd down a lane that you don't know where it goes. And that's what, that's what King Herod was trying to do. He was trying to deceive the wise men and, and deceive all these people by getting them to, to go to a different lane. Now, when we look at the story as mean and as, uh, as irresponsible as it was, it hits home. A lot of times we find ourselves in a lane that we're not supposed to be in. A lot of times we find ourselves in a lane that we feel like we've been misled, but we don't change lanes because it's embarrassing. Matthew 2:16 it says this it says when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the magi, he was furious. He was so angry. Is that you today that you're just so mad cuz it feels like you've been deceived? I had somebody tell me, they're like, I cannot celebrate Christmas because I feel like God does nothing but deceive me. That broke my heart so much when I heard that. God is not deceiving anybody, that is Satan. Satan is the one that is the king of deception. And so when King Herod was deceived, this is when he got so mad. This is when King Herod let his heart not just grow two sizes too small. This is when King Herod said, you know what? My heart is out of the equation. I'm doing what my emotions tell me to do. And this is when King Herod absolutely just pushed people into a season of sorrow. Matthew two sixteen through 18, it says this. When King Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. In accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi, 17 says this, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because there are no more. Scripture says the voice was heard in Ramah weeping. If you guys look at a map, Rama is about 10 miles away. I can't imagine the sorrow that they were feeling. I can't imagine the pain that they were feeling. There are so many hearts that were broken on that day. And they became broken and they became maybe even bitter because of one man that was threatened. One man that was so upset because he couldn't have something, so he made a decision that affected everybody else. This Christmas season, and we're going we're gonna to get into pretty t- tough, choppy waters right now. I know there is something in your life that is bringing you great sorrow. We're all humans. We all have times in our lives that we go through sorrow And don't you know it, it feels like that sorrow always peaks its head up around Christmas time. Well, here's the great part. The sorrow that you're experiencing doesn't stand a chance when it's the joy of Jesus Christ. That sorrow that you're experiencing, I don't care how bad it is, doesn't stand a chance against the joy of Jesus Christ. Now, I know, as it says in the scripture, that Rachel refused to be comforted. She refused to be comforted because it says there are no more. All the all the boys, the baby boys were gone. And there was so much sorrow and and Rachel said, "Don't touch me." She refuses to be comforted. But here's the thing. There is comfort in Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that and we know that sorrow, sorrow takes no prisoners and I get that. But it says this, it says, it was so horrific that the the weeping was heard in another town. Christmas still can stir up sorrow today. But we're going to talk about how we find joy in that sorrow. I know it took me a long time to get there. But I wanted to give you a great explanation of why King Herod was the way he was and why he chose such an extreme measure to to protect his kingdom. But now we're going to get to why we can find joy and sorrow. 1 Peter 4.12, it says this. It says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So number one is do not let your sorrow catch you off guard. We all experience it. We all go through it. And I know a lot of times we think about it more at Christmas time or Thanksgiving or during the holidays or around birthdays. I get it. Sorrow is something that, that it shows up when you least expect it. But we can't be caught off guard. We can't be caught off guard by the, like scripture says, the fiery ordeal that comes to you. So this Christmas season, if you're struggling, feeling like the sorrow is just coming out of nowhere, we need to understand that that the sorrow cannot catch us off guard. We need to live solely in the, the presence and the joy of Jesus Christ. None of those mothers that day woke up thinking this will be my last day with my baby boy. None of them knew or none of them, none of them expected that that night when they went to bed, that they would no longer have this child in their life. There's great sorrow, but we cannot let it catch us off guard. Peter tells us when he's experiencing tough times, he said, "Don't let it surprise you. We get told all the time in Scripture it's coming. But the joy and the hope for you this Christmas season is, let's be on guard." Let's stand on guard and there's joy that will come from that. And the second one is keep Christ at the center of your Christmas season. The Bible says, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. If you are experiencing joy this Christmas season, share that joy with other people because there's people that they are not experiencing joy. There's people that they're just wrapped around the sorrow that comes around this time of year. But scripture says, don't be overcome with it. I know that's hard to say, or that's hard to do. But it needs to be easy. We need to overcome evil by being good, by doing good, by showing the joy of Jesus Christ. Do you believe there is still joy in serving the Lord Jesus Christ? There truly is. But a lot of times we get distracted. So when we look back at the Grinch, what stopped the Grinch? From stealing Christmas, what stopped the joy or stopped the Grinch from bringing sorrow to so many people? The Grinch did bring sorrow to people. The Grinch stole everything. They took everything that he thought meant something to them. But they still sung, and they still celebrated, and they still embraced loved ones. Why is that? Because That is because they found the joy in the Christmas, in the Christmas season. But what about the Grinch? The Grinch changed, did he not? What changed the Grinch? Grinch, The thing that changed the Grinch was the joyful reaction of other people changed who the Grinch was. So, I'm trying to tell you, I know there's sorrow. I know there's heartache. I know there's heartbreak. I know there's heavy hearts. I know there's hearts that are probably empty. I get that. But I am telling you right now the joyful reaction that you have because Jesus Christ is born and risen again will bring great joy this Christmas season. When we look at Herod in, in closing, Herod's a very unfortunate story. We saw glimpses of the heart that Herod had when he poured into people with his finances. He poured into people with his resources. When he he gave people tax breaks, Herod had a heart. Herod had just potential to be great, to be good, but he chose not to. And in the end, Herod was a dead king. And in scripture, it says he died a horrific death. It says, King Herod died a death that was so horrific we couldn't even wrap our minds around it. And King Herod died an unchanged man. King Herod had a chance to grow his heart, but he refused to do it. So this Christmas season, I want you guys to know, it's not too late to grow your heart. It's not too late to experience joy. I know it's a week away, and I bet all of you have a list, this long of things to do. And maybe some of them bring you joy, but maybe a lot of them don't. It is not too late to change your hearts about Jesus Christ. You still have an opportunity. You still have a chance. and I know things happen in your life, and, and you're in such a sorrow moment right now, and you just feel like that maybe Jesus has forgotten about you. That's not the case. Just like the Grinch, you have a chance to change your heart towards Jesus Christ. You have your ha- chance to change your heart on the way that you treat sorrow, the way that you let sorrow control you. I share a lot with you about my personal life, good, bad, or indifferent. I share a lot of you, with you about my kids. Why? They bring me joy. They do. I share a lot with you about All the different obstacles that I have had to go through in my life, all the sorrow I've experienced, all the loss that I've experienced, I share those with you. And here's why. Because I know there's joy in every sorrow moment. And a lot of times it takes us to look in the sorrow to even find the joy. So if that is you this Christmas season and you just can't get past that hump of going from sorrow to joy, I'm telling you it's not too late. All it takes is trusting in Jesus Christ and knowing that he came for a reason and that reason is to give us joy and hope on a daily basis, amen? Every day, your sorrow may be deep, but Jesus Christ is so much stronger, so much taller. Heavenly Father, God, as we come into this moment today, God, I can feel there's a lot of heavy hearts. God, I can feel there's a lot of hearts with burdens on them. God, I'm even going to go a step farther. I think there's a lot of broken hearts this morning. God, maybe a lot of hearts that are confused. God, I dare to say it, but God, I there may be a heart in here, Lord, that's just hardened that it wants nothing to do with you. Maybe they hold you responsible for something that has happened in their life. God, maybe there's someone here, Lord, that as much as they try to find joy in Christmas, they always sneak back to the sorrow because they know that it's there waiting for them. God, this Christmas season. My prayer is that we find the joy that only comes from you. And God, just like King Herod, we have a chance. We have a chance to change that, God. And my prayer today is that we take advantage of that opportunity to change the way we look at the joy that is Jesus Christ. To know that he can heal any sorrow that he can heal any pain. God, we thank you in your name, amen. You guys still have a chance. If you and your heart has hardened for Jesus Christ, I would love to pray with you. It's not too late. I don't don't care if you're worse than King Herod. I don't care the, the, the bad things you've done, the awful things you've done, the sorrow that you have caused. I am telling you, Jesus Christ is still on the throne and he can heal any of those scars. He can heal any of those open wounds. He can take away any of that pain. All you have to do is trust and believe in him. So that's my prayer. And if you want someone to pray with you, I'll, I'll be down here and I love to introduce you and, and bring you back to, to Jesus Christ and you just want to pray by yourself and maybe you're suffering with so much sorrow this Christmas season. Maybe you just need to spend some alone time with God. You can do it from your seat. You can come up here, but I really want you guys to thank and pray and ask yourself, where's my heart? Is my heart too small? Is my heart hardened? Is my heart empty? Is my heart broken? The recipe to fix all those is Jesus Christ. Let's stand.